It's been a good three weeks at Grace Life. I have been quivering on the inside every week. I'm quivering on the inside right now. Not because I'm nervous, man, because God's here. Amen. God, thank you for being with us. Jesus, thank you for being our Emmanuel. Holy Spirit, thank you for manifesting your presence here among us in these days. And we have so desperately needed you. And you have been faithful in every way. God, thank you for the grace that you've worked in the hearts of your people here over these days, God. To be sensitive to your leading. To be sensitive to your presence among us. We are in awe, God, today. How good you are. And we long for the day that the nations will feel that same holy tremble in their hearts that we feel today. And that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! How y'all doing? I don't even have a tissue. I used to have a tissue in my pocket. I don't even have sleeves on my arm to wipe my nose with. (laughs) Thank you, bro. It's one of them days, man, right? Good ones, right? If you ain't got there yet, it's okay. We got time. We'll, we'll, We'll trust the Lord to get us there. You know, we're seven days away now, right? From Time Change Sunday. We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, and you probably have heard by now that we've unofficially changed Time Change Sunday to Time to Change Sunday, because we've just been convinced that there's some things in our lives that God has been desiring to change, that over the last couple of years, it's been easy to pick up some not-so-good habits and to allow some not-so-good habits to kind of form in our lives as we sort of neglect the good habits, the God habits in our lives. And so we're asking and believing that by time to change Sunday that God will be doing just that changing us. But I I believe he's already ahead of schedule and he's already changed. And I I praise him for that. We, We started a few Sundays ago looking at what I believe are the most important habits that as Christ followers we need to have in our lives. That if we get these habits right in our lives, everything else is going to fall into the the right order. And here are those three habits just by way of review that we've been talking about. We want to be faithful to God's voice. And we talked about that. We want to be readers of God's word. We want to be hearers of God's word. We want to memorize God's word. We want to meditate on God's word. We want to study God's word. We want to apply God's word to our life. We want to be faithful to God's ear. Last week we talked about we want to be faithful to God's, um, to, or to God's voice was his word. Last week we talked about being faithful to God's ear by filling his ear with 
worship, by filling his ear with praise, by filling his ears with our prayers. And today we want to talk about this third habit, which is a faithfulness to God's people. And I believe with all my heart that if we get these three habits nailed down in our life, and I believe that God is doing that in us to him be the glory for that, and I believe when those are happening and real and consistent in our lives, it's going to lead us to the destination that God has set out before us. I want to remind you the destination for us is not heaven. Our destination is Jesus, to know him. We want to know him, and I believe we're coming to know him better over these weeks at Grace Life, to know him more and more every day. That's the goal. The goal is not that we just get in a habit of spending more time in God's word, although that's good, but that's not the goal. The goal is not that we worship and praise and pray without ceasing. Those are great, but that's not the ultimate goal. And today, I don't want you to sit here and listen and think that the ultimate goal is being faithful to a church family. That is exceedingly great, but that is not the goal. All of these are simply the vehicles that lead us to the goal. The goal is to know Jesus and to know him more and more every single day. And it's by being faithful to his voice and faithful to his ear and faithful to his people that we set ourselves up to be able to experience Jesus more in our lives. Can you just agree with me today that there is nothing more important in life than knowing Jesus? If you can think of a single thing more important than knowing Jesus, let me know because I don't know what that is. And so if we agree that there's nothing more important in life than knowing Jesus, then I think we also agree that if there's three key things that we need to be doing in our life to lead us to the greatest thing we can know, which is Jesus, then we need to be about those things, to be faithful to the Lord in these ways that we might know Jesus. And you may be saying, well, I know Jesus. If you're saying you know Jesus, I don't think you know Jesus. Because if you know Jesus, you know that you really don't yet know Jesus, right? If there's anybody that ever walked this planet that I think could have gotten away with saying, hey, I know Jesus, that would be the Apostle Paul. But Paul even says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Now, if Paul is sitting there saying, I want to know Christ, how much more do I need to be proclaiming today? Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you more today than I did yesterday and more tomorrow than I do today. And there is a path that leads us to knowing Jesus that has been beaten down and well-worn by faithful saints, men and women of God that have come before us that leads you to the place of knowing Jesus. And those that have come before us have beat that path down with a faithfulness to God's voice and a faithfulness to God's ear and a faithfulness to God's people. And we need to be asking ourselves this question. Is the path that I'm leaving behind going to lead others to knowing Jesus? I don't mean knowing about Jesus, but to knowing Jesus. Is my life going to guide people toward knowing him and the power of his resurrection? God, help us to walk this path so consistently and faithfully that it leads the little ones among us our children and our grandchildren to know Jesus for who he is and I need to say this again because we're so easily we so easily fall into works and law this journey these weeks haven't been about getting stronger in these disciplines it's been all about knowing Jesus more not habits that we simply check the boxes on 
but to pursue Christ with all of our heart. And I believe faithfulness to his voice, to his ear, and to his people leads us to that place. And you heard Pastor Josh read this passage today to open our time together from Hosea chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live. It doesn't say in heaven. His presence. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Which, by the way, is two weeks away here. We want to know Jesus, amen? And I don't think we're going to know him apart from a faithfulness to God's people. That's one of the most amazing means of grace that God has given his people in this life is a connection to the people of God. We call that his church, that bride that's waiting for her groom. And by the way, I've got a lot of weddings scheduled this year. I'm waiting on a bride to get brave enough to stand with me waiting on the groom to come down the aisle. Because I think biblically, that's the way our wedding should be structured. And the girls are like, no. It's all about the bride. Hey, ladies, listen to me. You have a beautiful opportunity. And you can get somebody else to preach your wedding. That's okay. But you have a beautiful opportunity at your wedding to say, this is not just a wedding today. This is a gospel presentation. And we are going to proclaim in this wedding that our groom Jesus is coming for his bride. And we are waiting on him to come down the aisle and get us and call us home. I said that about 10 years ago. And there was a little bitty girl in our church. She's a teenager now. But she told me that Sunday, and she still tells me today, when I get married, that's how I'm going to do it. So maybe this year, maybe somebody's going to be the first, just saying. So we want to talk today about faithfulness to God's people. And I, I want to narrow that conversation down to us specifically here at Grace Life, okay? Because if we're not faithful right here to the people of God that are nearest and closest to us, we have no chance of being faithful to God's people anywhere else, right? It's got to flow out of here. So we want to zero in today on our Grace Life family. That's where it starts. And to be devoted to God's people is going to require that we have the right hearts. We've got to have the right hearts. And I want to give you four kinds of hearts today that we've got to have if we're going to be devoted to the people of God. Number one is this. We've got to have selfless hearts. Selfless hearts here among us. And here's why. Because selfishness is the number one destroyer of relationships. Selfishness is the enemy to relationships. The number one cause of conflicts and arguments and disputes and squabbles and divorces is selfishness. James tells us that in his epistle. Devotion to God's people means that before I'm devoted to me, I'm first devoted to God and then to God's people. Selfless. 
The reality is that we all struggle with this. Because our sin nature has given us a bent toward being selfish. But listen, church. Do you not believe that what Jesus Christ accomplished at the cross and through an empty grave has broken the power of sin and self? So although that old sin nature in us may bend us toward being selfish, we do not have to bend any longer. We have a new operating system within us that is available for us to tap into. That is the power of the resurrected Christ. So that we no longer have to live as if we do not know Him as selfish people, but now in the power of Christ and for the glory of Christ, we get to live as selfless sons and daughters of God. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. If we do that, Grace Life, if God's church in the world does that, we're going to be freaks in this world. Do you know that? This is the most countercultural way that you can live in the world currently. Selflessly. It's easy, by the way, to sit in this room and feel like you're nailing it. Not much is required of you to sit in this room. It's pretty easy to be selfless in this room. It gets a little more challenging to be selfless when you leave this room in a minute and you go to a life group. And, I, and you ought to be doing that. That's where being selfless becomes a little bit more of a challenge because when we surround ourselves with people that we consistently live with and walk with and do life together, it becomes more challenging to be selfless. Doing life with people isn't easy, right? Sometimes we ministers even joke ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> Doing life with people isn't easy. Listen, if you're looking for easy, don't follow Jesus. It's not easy. Two weeks ago, we talked about being faithful to God's voice. Last week, we talked about being faithful to God's ear. We've been reading God's word. We kind of had a challenge, right, with each one of those. Here's the reading plan. Let's get in God's voice. Here's the prayer guide. Last week, again this week, let's be faithful to God's ear. So today we're talking about being faithful to God's people. So here's my challenge, Grace Life. Next Sunday, every one of you be in a life group. Every single one of you. Make it happen next Sunday. Just make it happen. Be there. Every single person that calls themselves a member of Grace Life, if you are physically able to be on this campus next Sunday, be in your life group. Be there. Fill that place up. Just so we can say we did it? No, because I think that is the baseline habit of being faithful to God's people. That's just step number one. I really believe that with all my heart. That is just step number one to being faithful to the people of God. I think if you think you can circumvent being in meaningful relationships in a small group, a life group with God's people and still be devoted to the people of God, you are terribly mistaken. So next week, everybody in a life group. And it's not going to work, by the way, because 
All us Baptist folks are going to have to scoot in some school desk. Did you like the visual there? <laughs> and we don't have a lot of room left. And so you're, you're going to be there next week and you're going to go, well, this is terrible. We're out of space. Not for long. Not for long. Not much longer. It's going to be hard, all right? But let's be there. Be a part of that. If Sunday, if you're watching online or maybe you're here today and you know, well, next Sunday's my work schedule. We have more people that work on Sundays right now than ever before. That's just the world we're in right now, y'all. So look, if you can't be here on Sunday, if life groups doesn't work for you on Sunday, we want to help. I'm part of a life group on Sunday night right now. And, and we're Zooming. They're an in-person life group on Sunday morning, but I'm, I'm walking with those young men on Sunday night, preparing them to lead their, their life group in present physical form on the following Sunday. I say that to say we can be creative. Don't let your schedule deter you. Recently, I've done special membership classes for people whose schedule doesn't work for Sunday. All right, we love you. We want to meet you where you are. Next Sunday, we want everybody to be in a life group that can possibly be in a life group. Put it on your calendar. Say no to everything else, okay? If you've been in a life group, um, or if you've never been in a life group, and you don't know where to start, let us know. We'll help you. Easy. No problem. If you've been in a life group, but you want to broaden your horizons and meet some new people, and not sure how to go about that, let us know. We'll help you do that. Now, let me give you some ways to work on being selfless when you get in that life group. Because the last thing that needs to happen is we all show up at a life group as selfish men and women next week. So how can we be selfless in that life group? Write this down, number one, be there. That's number one, be there. Being there has got to become our default position as it relates to God's people. It was, and then over the last couple of years, because of everything we've experienced, I think it's not really our default position anymore. I'll, I'll be there if everything works out, I'll be there. We need to default to, I'm going to be there. Be the kind of person that's there so much, when you're not there, they think you died on the way to church. All right? Everybody's freaking out, going, something must have happened to them on their way to get here today, because they're always here. All right? Be selfless by being there. Number two, be interested over interesting when you get there. Don't try to win the room. Don't try to be the most interesting person in the room. That's selfish, not selfless. Number three, stay positive. Stay positive. Listen, in life groups, we want to bear each other's burdens. And it is okay to pour our burdens out and know that our brothers and sisters are going to hold us up. But it is not a place for whining. It is not a place for complaining. Nobody got out of bed on the first day of their off day to come listen to you 15 minutes whine and complain. Right? Amen? Stay positive. And number four, how can you be selfless in your life group? Follow up with the people that God puts on your heart. Don't let life group stop when you walk out. Keep those people on your heart through the week and follow the Lord as he puts people on your heart. Follow up on that. Dudes, check on the dudes. Ladies, check on the ladies. Life group leaders, let me encourage you with something. Life group leaders, y'all tuned in? Thank you for being a life group leader. 
especially over the season we've been in. And life group leaders, I know many of you are gifted Bible teachers. You are fantastic at presenting a lesson. But life group leaders, hear me. Life groups are more than a lesson. It's more than that. They're also about our lives. It's life groups. And so you need to make sure you're creating some space in your life group that people are getting to know each other. It doesn't matter if they've known each other for 50 years. They still don't know each other enough, right? I'm a big fan of the get-to-know-you questions. The class that I've been trying to work with the guys a little bit, they're launching today for the first time without me and other old folks around them. And that's what they're doing right now. They're opening up with get-to-know-you questions, going around the circle. Everybody's talking. Everybody's sharing. Everybody's enjoying that, having a good time. The goal for each week of every life group, life group leaders should be this. And everybody in a life group, here's what you, the goal should be this. I want to walk out of this 60 minutes knowing Jesus better and knowing my brothers and sisters in this room better. That's the goal. That's the goal. If each life group hits that goal, every acre of those 72 acres over at Shadow Lake is going to have a life group on it before long. If our goal is I want to walk out of here today knowing Jesus better and knowing my brothers and sisters in Christ better, we have severely underbuilt. And I pray we, I pray we are proven that we have severely underbuilt. We have trees still we can meet under. It's all good. If all we do in life group is a Bible lesson, we've missed an opportunity. No offense, life group leaders, we could say the same about my preaching. They could stay home and find online a better Bible lesson. Just like they could stay home right now and find a better sermon, right? So it's not just about a Bible lesson. That would be a missed opportunity if it were. Other side of the coin, if all we do is sit in life group and talk about ourselves, then we've also missed a big opportunity. Because we could go somewhere that's got a lot better food and drink and do that than what we're getting on Sunday morning at Grace Life in somebody's classroom. But where else? Where else is a person going to find a refuge for 60 minutes in their week where they get to be surrounded with people who love God and love each other and they walk out at the end of that 60 minutes knowing Jesus better and knowing each other better? There's nothing like that. Nothing like that in the world. So get in a life group. Now. And life group leaders, thank you so much for how you've persevered through this hard season. Now, life group leaders, it is time to take your leadership to the next level and make your life group unmissable. Unmissable. You're doing it. We'll help you do it even more. Faithfulness to God's people requires that we not only have selfless hearts, but also humble hearts. Humble hearts. You know, when pride comes to church, things go badly, right? When people start talking about my church, my church, my church, buckle up because we're headed for turbulence. Pride shows up in a critical spirit. 
looking down on people, criticizing people, gossiping about people, picking people apart. Pride's in a critical spirit. Pride's in a comparing spirit. Too good to be with this person. Too good to talk to this person. I'm better than this individual. I know what they've done. I know where they've been. I know their story. I know their family. That's pride presenting itself in a critical spirit. Pride shows up in a comparing spirit. Pride shows up in a stubborn spirit. A spirit that says, it's my way or the highway. That's pride. Pride shows up in a superficial approach to relationships. I don't want to get close. I don't want them to know me. I don't want, I don't want to know them. I'm going to keep arm's length from everybody. I'm going to use humor just to kind of diffuse all these situations because I just want to be above it all. That's pride. A devotion to God's people is going to require that we check our pride at the door and we pursue having a humble heart. That's not easy. If easy is what you're looking for, don't follow Jesus. I want you to see 1 Peter 3.8. But I want to take you to the very last few words of that, and then we'll back up. Can you go one more slide up? Yeah. See that? The last four words, keep a humble attitude. If you keep a humble attitude, all the rest of the verse works. Now let me take you back and show you the rest of the verse. Finally, all of you should be of one mind. How do you get to one mind except with a humble attitude? Sympathize with each other. How are you going to sympathize with somebody without a humble attitude? Love each other as brothers and sisters. How are you going to love each other as brothers and sisters without a humble heart? Be tenderhearted. How are you going to be tenderhearted toward each other without a humble heart? A humble heart sets everything up in verse 8. It's the key that unlocks all the rest, having a humble heart. You say, how can I become a more humble person? Well, some of you are going, I'm the most humble person I know, Pastor. <laughs> some of you are saying, hey, how can I develop more humility in my life? I think a lot of it comes down to we become who we spend time with. And all the narcissism that's on our screens in front of us all the time, that's not helping us become more humble. We're getting into the narcissistic arms race is what we're getting into so often when the screens are in front of us. We want to become more humble. Let's spend more time with Jesus. There's no more humble person than Him. Faithfulness to God's people requires that we have selfless hearts and we have humble hearts. Number three, that we have loving hearts. Wouldn't you want to go to a church like that with these kinds of people? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12 says, And may the Lord... That's a good reminder, by the way. It won't be us doing these things. May the Lord do this. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflow. I love that. May God make your love for people around you grow and overflow, grow and overflow, grow and overflow. That's love that is multiplying and overflowing. Me and Shannon got to go out west this spring and, and, and saw a lot of wonderful things, but you know, got to go watch Old Faithful do its thing. I think that's the picture, the analogy that we're giving here from Scripture. Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica here. 
Let your love be like that. That it's just exploding upward and outward. It is growing and it is overflowing. Just like old faithful. They say it building and rolling and man, here it comes, right? And it just gets bigger and bigger. That's how our love for each other should be. Why not? How can we who have received the extravagant love of God turn around and be so chintzy and cheap and selfish with that love toward other people. That is not love at all, is it? You know, you don't get to pick and choose in your church family who you love. Church is not a place that you go to pick out some friends. Church is the family that God has picked out for you. And loving the people in your church, it ain't easy. If easy's what you're looking for, say it with me, church, don't follow Jesus. Here we are called to love each other with a old faithful, growing and overflowing kind of love. If you don't want to be a part of the family and you just want to be friends with us, glad you're here. Rock on, but you are not, you are not where the Lord wants you to be. I love you, but you need to commit yourself to a local body of believers. Can you be a Christian without doing that? Absolutely. Can you be a growing and obedient Christian without that? Absolutely not. It's not going to send you to hell. But it's not really going to bring heaven into your soul like God wants to do. Loving hearts. Faithfulness to God's people requires that we have selfless hearts. That we have humble hearts. That we have loving hearts. Number four, here we go. We've got to have forgiving hearts. Forgiving hearts. Did you say that's the hardest, ma'am? I agree with you. She looked at me and she went, that's the hardest. <laughs> totally. That's why I saved it for last. Because y'all would have walked out if I went one forgiving hearts. We never got to loving and humble hearts. It's hard. Because we all blow it. We all mess up. We all have bad days. Sometimes we have bad years even. And we get short-fused and selfish and snappy and we're doing a terrible job of reflecting who Jesus is and we blow it. Listen, somebody's going to disappoint you. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. I'm so tired of hearing people whine about church hurt. I am. Look, if anybody's had church hurt, you're looking at him. Come on, everybody. Church hurts real. I'm not saying it isn't real, but I'm saying suck it up, buttercup. Come on, let's get over it. Jesus is worth it. Amen? You're going to get hurt. You're going to get disappointed. What are you going to do about it? You're going to quit? You're going to get angry? You're going to pout? You're going to sulk? You're going to try to get revenge? Those are all horrible ideas, by the way. I've tried most of them. Some of you have too. That's that old sinful bent in us, right? 
Listen to what Paul says, Colossians 3.13. And you talk about, this is the hard one. This is the verse I wish wasn't in the Bible sometimes. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone, anyone who offends you. Oh, come on, y'all. If we want to be freaks in the world right now, let's get over being offended. Because that's the way the world's operating right now. The most offended person is king, right? The biggest victim wins under societal rules today, right now. We are the people of God. We're not victims. We are more than victors. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So forgive anyone who offends you. You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to whine and cry and be a victim and lay down and pout and stomp and holler and spit and cuss. Jesus just says, get over it. Move on. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, oh. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. It's tough. It's not easy to forgive. Hey, if easy is what you're looking for, say it with me, church. Don't follow Jesus. Listen, forgiveness isn't minimizing your hurt or your pain. It's not minimizing it, not trying to delegitimize it by no means. Forgiveness is not even, and a call today to forgiveness isn't even questioning the reality of your pain. It is questioning, hey, what are you going to do with it? You're going to just sink your own ship with unforgiveness? Or are you going to trust God and do the, the hard thing? Forgiveness cuts the pain of the past off so it doesn't invade the present or the future. You can't change the past, but you have some responsibility today over the present and over the future. The past is the past. and Hanging on to it is just going to perpetuate the pain. So forgive those people. I know what you're thinking. I know, and you're right. Most of you are right. They don't deserve it. Just as you and I didn't deserve Jesus to forgive us either. It's called grace. God gives it to us so that we get to show the world who he is by giving it to others. I got a lot more I want to say about being devoted church members devoted to God's people but we'll come back around to some of that at another time to close today I just want to say and I always hate saying to close because y'all start y'all like <laughs> church ninjas break loose buddy when you say it to close <sighs> today we're seven days away from time to change Sunday. Something that I really believe God just spoke to Grace Life about. I truly do. 
You can ask some of the people in the church office. I was preparing to go into Paul's third missionary journey. And that week I would study, and it was like I was hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall, hitting the wall. Okay, Lord, what are we doing? And I got still, got quiet, and the Lord began to speak. And at the last minute that week, redirected my plan. Don't you like that when he redirects your plan? And God sent us down this journey. I, I would love to say this was my grand idea, y'all. Had it all planned out. That's not, y'all know that's not true. We just stumble in his grace all the time. And here we are. Seven days from time to change Sunday. And some of those old habits that we had been forming... Just in 14 days, I'm watching those fade out. Glory to God. And seeing some God habits surfacing, appearing, reappearing. And I know over the last couple of weeks, you have renewed your devotion to being faithful to God's voice and to be faithful to God's ear. And already your faithfulness to God's people, I think, is increasing even before we got to this part of the sermon series just in the last two weeks since the Lord laid this in front of us in the last two weeks the numbers of people in this room worshiping the Lord together with, with his people has increased 30% the numbers of people who are connecting in a life group over the last two weeks has increased 32% that means we are nearing where we were before this pandemic from the pit of hell got here two years ago and I'm so thankful for the evidence of all these good habits developing among us. But that is not the goal, is it? Is it? The goal is that these habits lead us down the path to Jesus. I'm shaking again. To knowing Him. Like we've never known him before that's the goal I'm convinced that if we truly want to know him we're going to ask the Lord God make me faithful to your voice to your ear and to your people I haven't told you this enough Grace Life but I'm very proud of you how you all have stuck together and persevered over the last couple of years I don't know another church in the country that not only went through the pandemic, but at the same time sold their property, shared their space for two school, school years with a growing school. During that time, had no access to their number one ministry tool, which is the piece of property that they're about to move on to. And yet, glory to God, here we are singing the paint off the room in this place today which from the looks of it is not that hard to do <laughs> the good news is Grace Life this season that we've been into is, is soon going to come to an end 
And we got a whole lot of kingdom work to do. So let's get it done and go home. Let's stand and pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness that's been manifested in countless ways in some hard days. We thank you for your care over us as a church family in this time. God, thank you for what you've done in our hearts in just the last couple of weeks. We, we know, God, you're at work. We're grateful for the holy trembling that we are experiencing in these days. We thank you, God, for working in our hearts, God, to remove some old ways and to cultivate new passion for the right things. We thank you for that, God. God, I pray that our faithfulness by your grace to your voice and to your ear and to your people would grow stronger every day. And that grace life would leave a path that is beaten down and well-worn so that those who come behind this could know how to know Jesus. God, may that be all that we're after, to know you, Jesus. To know you more. your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just ask the Lord for that right now where you stand? Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to know you better than I've ever known you. I want to love you deeper than I've ever loved you. I want my life to reflect you more than it's ever reflected you. If you're here today and you have never trusted Christ to save you. I'm excited for you because I think God is grabbing your heart right now to bring you to salvation. And your journey to know Jesus is about to start. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, hey, how can I start that journey? I want to know the Lord. I'm, I'm not right with God. I'm not a child of God. Well, that's step one. Knowing you're not. And knowing you want to be. And knowing that you can't be by anything that you do. But you can only be because of what Jesus has done. He died on the cross to pay your sin debt to make you right with God. The Son of God, Jesus, did that for you. And His sacrifice for you was perfect and God proved that it was perfect by raising him from the dead on the third day right where you stand today you can say Lord Jesus save me I believe 
that you are the Son of God. I believe you gave your life for me. I believe you rose again, and I give you my life today. And if you've done that today, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to walk with you. I'd love to get you started on this journey. How about the rest of you? You really want to know Jesus more and more? Tired of the same old, same old? I want to know you more, Jesus. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts. Continue to pour your spirit out on us, God. Thank you so much for how you have been doing that. We love you, Jesus. We want to know you more.